Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And today I want to talk about day two lessons at NEDAS, New York City 2016. If you want to track them on Twitter, it's hashtag N-E-D-A-S-N-Y-C. That's hashtag NEDASNYC. Now, I did a post about day one. So I have the link in there, Wade for Wireless, Wade, W-A-D-E, the number four wireless.com if you're interested. In fact, this blog's in there. Just look up Day 2 Lessons at NEDAS, New York City 2016, and you'll see it. They also have videos for this. Again, link is in the blog. Just go there. You'll find it. It's just easier to click than it is to try to read everything out. But NEDAS.com should have everything you need. I learned a lot, but first thing I want to do is thank Amy, Jennifer, Nikki, and Alyssa for all they've done for pulling this together. They did a great job. It's a fabulous event. I was really thankful that they asked me to come up and speak. Although I was late in the day on day two, people didn't seem to be falling asleep. We really just told stories about problems that we saw. And I'll get into that. I want to go through all the sessions. But first, I want to thank my sponsors, Tower Tracker Pro, for all your closeout package needs. Tower Tracker Pro, for all your closeout package needs. They do it step by step. You put the pictures in, they'll size it, they'll do everything right for you. And you can have someone audit it before you leave the site. How easy is that? Also... I want to thank Tower Safety and Instruction, towersafety.com, for all your tower needs as far as training goes, and also drone training for tower work. How cool is that? They have the experts from on-man experts come in and do drone training. Yes, licensed pilots. They have both military and, well, they have both military and commercial. I know they have commercial licensed pilots too. And I also want to thank TLBB. They have the internet streaming media box. When you want to watch movies on your TV, but you don't want to hook up your laptop, you just put this in, bam, it's the interface between the internet and the TV. All right, also, Tower Deployment Handbook for Small Cell CRAN and DAS. I wrote the book just for you. I did it because I want you to learn from all my mistakes because God knows I made plenty of them. Same as my scope of work tutorial, same thing. It's just hard to get paid properly without a good scope of work. And you should have a say in it. A lot of times you'll see that the companies want to just throw you a scope of work. You have to make modifications. You have to understand what the closeout is. And I really shouldn't have to tell you anything more. You should understand that. All right, let's get into it. Let's get busy. Let's talk about the sessions up there in Nidas, New York City on April 6th of 2016. The first section by Berger Avazian. I hope I said your name right, Berger. Great guy, cool guy. And, you know, the funniest story he had was at the beginning when he talked about trying to walk from the hotel across Central Park to uh, the Academy of Medical Arts, which is where the, that's the building where this uh, session was held, uh, where the whole, actually, Nidas, New York City was held. But it was funny because he, like me, thought it would be a 10-minute walk. And Central Park's a lot bigger than you thought. He said it took him about 20 minutes to cross. <laughs> I just bring it up because in New York City, you know, you think everything's closed because it's a city. People don't realize how big it is. But phew, let me tell you, it's huge. Anyway, he moderated the first session. Berger moderated. He's of Wireless 2020. He moderated Digitizing Our Arenas. This group, which I'll get into in a minute, talked about how the arenas... Even the major arenas that they already have DAS systems in, they aren't done. They constantly have to do updates and upgrades to keep up with the latest technologies, especially the way the Super Bowl is here in the States. Super Bowl is a big event. The World Series is a big event. You have a lot of big sporting events. 
a lot of soccer events, baseball events, American football, things that really require everything to be up to date because they're high profile sites. And that's the one thing the carriers are still dumping a lot of money into. Now, on his panel included Ihab Labib of JMA Wireless, Jay Makajewski, Oh, I hope I said your name, Mashajewski. <laughs> I hope I said your name right, Jay. <laughs> Thank God your first name's Jay. He's of PCTEL, Mark Patterson of Boingo Wireless, and Matthew Thompson of Cobham Wireless. They all talked about basically the big arena jobs that they have done. But they also talked about just because you do the installation, that doesn't mean you're finished. You have to worry about the growth, the improvements, new spectrum, new formats. It's things like that that keep those arenas growing and on the edge of technology, the cutting edge. And that's what they have to do, especially when they're high profile site. They talked about in the NFL, National Football League, for those of you outside the US, the NFL has requirements that they need for these arenas, Wi-Fi requirements and LTE requirements. So you have to keep up with those requirements. It's not a one and done type of deal. Now, obviously it depends who wants to spend the money. And in a lot of these arenas, I know I bid on a few of them, the owners pay for a lot of the Wi-Fi stuff, but then the carriers have to pay for a lot of the gas stuff for the carriers. It's really an interesting mix. And the other thing I found out, the last Super Bowl was the first time, and I, I got to get this right, I believe the uploaded data matched the downloaded data, meaning that people were uploading video and pictures as much as they were downloading data. And the other big milestone is that the LTE data was slightly higher than the Wi-Fi data. And you probably know that. I think I read that before, but I just find it fascinating. Those are two milestones. For the LTE data to surpass Wi-Fi data is incredible. That is a milestone. The upload-download thing, that's amazing because carriers can no longer say, well, you know, we're going to put, well, I guess it doesn't matter with, with FD. With FD, LTE, I guess with that, you have the same bandwidth up and down. But with TD, you can balance the bandwidth. And they used to go heavy download. And I'll tell you that from Wi-Fi. You know, you, you wanted more for the download. But now they're going to have to plan as much upload and download as possible. And in the States here, I think the only person I can think of that has a large swath of spectrum for TD is Sprint. And I don't exactly see them putting out 100 megahertz of spectrum right now. Uh, I see them putting out 5, 10, 20 megahertz, all that spectrum. Anyway, it's another story. <laughs> I'm getting way off subject. But those guys talked about the larger venues was very interesting. The next session was Capacity Planning Technology Developments, and it was moderated by Jordan Fry of Snyder & Snyder. This panel had Chris Pliable of Perfect 10 Wireless, David Evans of AT&T, and IEEE, Dean Frisanke of Clear Sky Technologies, Mark Parr of Bandwidth Logic, Russ Ham of Rainbow Broadband. Russ is more of a financial guy. He was sort of a neat guy. I talked to him later. But this group basically covered the need for bandwidth and the growth and how it is growing. And when you're talking about growth, we had different sections here. Like we had people that talked about the broadband that did work for customers and how they grew and how customers could not plan. And the other thing that came up in a lot of these sessions was future proofing. It's very hard to future-proof when nobody knows the future. It's difficult. It's one of those things that you really want to be prepared for, but how can you? Things change so rapidly. So all you can do is a best guess. These guys covered everything as far as not only the growth of it, but Chris Pliable of Perfect 10 talked about the logistics of getting the equipment out there in time for growth. You don't think about the back end. You know, all we look at most of the time is spectrum. Spectrum, spectrum, spectrum. I want more. 
sure that's all we want is more download, more upload. We want more, more, more. But how are we going to get more? Do you just open it up? Is it a software key like our apps, like we're used to? No, it takes planning. And sometimes it takes a new design. Sometimes it takes RF design. Sometimes it takes a bigger backhaul. Sometimes it takes brand new equipment. I know the carriers don't like to hear that. That's why they're really counting on LTE to carry them through a lot of this stuff. And whether you like it or not, LTE is going to be the foundation for 5G the way I see it. And I'll tell you why. Because LTE is constantly improving. It's constantly being, let's say, expanded so they can get more and more through it. And that's what they want for 5G. There's going to be new formats for 5G, but there's going to be, I see two spectrums of 5G. Because 5G, IoT, it's all going to blend into the same thing. And here in the States, the standards for 5G really isn't set yet. Even though you have everybody testing and 5G is a great buzzword. Hey, we're 5G. What is 5G? There's no standard set in the States that I'm aware of yet. Now, the FCC is working on it. It's going to be a combination of things. When you talk machine to machine and Internet of Things, you're going to have several different things that play in as factors because you're going to have machines talking to machines with small data bytes. And now everything's set up for large data bytes. So you're going to have to have these mini networks that just pop a few bits of data, like maybe, a, let's say, up to a couple kilobits of data which is going to be very valuable because they're just going to be short bursts. Bam, bam, bam. You know, what's the temperature? 35 degrees. What's the thermostat set at? 45 degrees and so on. So that's going to be the thing. You got to really look at it that way. So what else did we have? Well, that was basically it for that. They, they, it was an interesting session, talked about growth devices and the way things are going. So the next thing I want to talk about, the next session, fiber to the X. The reason that's so important, if you guys have been in this industry very long, we're going to run fiber almost everywhere. We're relying on fiber for a lot of things. And I know in day one, we talked about satellite, and I can't wait till satellite gets to where it should be. But fiber, we really have to look at what's there. The trends, the challenges, the solutions to meet the wireless demand. And the session was moderated by Stephen Banks of KMB Design Group. KMB. I worked with them in the past. I worked with another guy. I don't believe I worked with Steven, but they've had a pretty good session too because fiber is going to be everywhere. KMB does a lot of design. So on this round table was Art Malier Dirk of iNOC, Craig Doyle of Comscope, Ken Stranfield of Solid, Ray Lachance of Zenfi. They're all pretty big names in the industry, all those guys. So it was pretty interesting. They talked about the fiber solutions, how to get there, what we have to do, and a lot of backbone solutions for wireless. And they all dealt with it on different ends. For instance, you know, Art of iNOC talked about the monitoring, the knock, and what you need to make sure that you have enough bandwidth, not only at the site, but he also talked about how you monitor that how you keep on top of that, how you understand the trends and plan for growth. Craig Doyle of Comscope talked about what you're going to need to grow, how you're going to grow, what you're going to have to put in, how you plan for that, and basically what Comscope has. They have everything basically to help you grow with that. Ken Stranfield of Solid talked about the growth of DAS, obviously, and he also talked about how systems grow quickly, and you need to be prepared for that. See, these all tie together. Then Zenfi, who has a fiber solution, a backhaul solution, talked about you can't just throw it out there quickly. You have to plan ahead. The backbone needs to be planned out. Maybe order a few extra strands in the beginning so you're prepared. But planning is it really a key to success and reliability. You want to make sure everything's reliable. That's where fiber really comes in. That's why it plays such a big part in this. And next, instead of a roundtable, they had a session that was by, uh, it was hosted by Doug Wiest of Edge Connect. And the name of Doug's session of Edge Connects 
was the edge where the end user resides. And I thought it was well done because Doug pointed out all the connections, the possibilities of indoor and outdoor DAS. And I just found it very fascinating how he had all the possibilities of what you can do with these systems. He talked about the growth of the wireless network, what the expectations will be from wireline to wireless to the edge, and how the edge is going to play an important part in the latency issues. The other thing he brought up, which I did find interesting, he was pointing out how the data needs are growing exponentially. Like Pittsburgh in 2019 will use as much data as DC does today. DC has heavy, heavy data use. But he pointed out several cities like that, how they're growing. How we look at the smaller cities that don't have the, the growth that we think, but yet they keep having a larger and larger demand for bandwidth. The growth is phenomenal. Well done, Doug. That was actually a good session. And I, I really appreciated all the points you touched on. The next session was brought, well, it was moderated and hosted by Steve Yapsuga of Tesco. And he led us into the integrator solutions, how the integrator works on an end user's behalf. And the group was done like a fireside chat. And uh, they had Douglas Fishman of Squan, who was there via video. They had a video monitor for him. They had Ed Donnellan of Telecom Infrastructure Corp, who gave a great presentation on the previous day. They had Raymond Dutremblay of Building Technology Systems, who's a consultant. And this guy was a smart, smart guy. And they had Tom Chamberlain of Westel, who gave the Near Far presentation the previous day. And that was basically the round table. And it was good because they went around different problems. Steve actually had some good questions he hit each of them up with. Those guys brought up all the issues that integrators run into in the real world. It's one thing that we look at the hardware and the equipment and what it can do. But it's another thing when the integrator has to go out there and actually work with the customer. They have to install the hardware. They have to find solutions for everyday problems, problems that a lot of us take for granted that aren't on the integration side. Now, me, I'm a deployment guy. I see problems every day. That, that's why, personally, I get frustrated because the carriers oftentimes, they think they can hammer down the installation crews, which is fine. Well, then don't expect when things are done half-ass or things aren't done the way you want it to. You have to be open to the possibility that there's going to be change orders and that there's problems out there. I'm bringing all this up because the integration to me is very near and dear to my heart. So when you look at guy like, like I'm going to use Ed Donnellan because that guy brought up real world experience, real world problems, and the site survey is everything. And yet I worked on an offer yesterday where they don't want to pay for the site survey. You know why? They don't want to spend the money. So when you get out there with all the equipment and something's wrong, something isn't the way it should be, someone's pictures aren't right, the construction drawings aren't correct, and I, I know how the conversation will go. Hey, this isn't the way it should be. That's what the integrator is going to say, the installation team. And the customer is going to say, well, install it anyway. And it's going to go back and forth. Well, we can't. We need this, 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 and this. Well, can't you pick that up? No, you're going to have to order it. It's going to take us six extra hours. Well, we don't want to pay for six extra hours. And then the conversation dips down to the scope of work, who's paying for what, and it goes right to money. You don't like that scenario? I'm telling you. That's how it goes. You get what you pay for. Now, if someone does a site survey and they come back and they still have problems, eh, then it's a gray area. Then someone's going to eat the cost, not the customer probably. Anyway, they had a great round, uh, let's say fireside chat. I was going to say round table, but let's say they had a fireside chat of a lot of the problems that you run into and how they should be handled and how the relationship between the customer, the integrator, and the OEM, whoever's supplying the equipment, and the suppliers should go. I thought that was interesting because they should all work together in 
in my opinion, you should have one single point of contact for the customer. Otherwise, it gets confusing. If the customer wants to hear from the OEM, then I think that's fine. Have the OEM and the integrator talk to them together. I just think you're asking for trouble when you have too many people talking to the customer because it gets confusing. They get different messages. You could have someone say, well, you should have done it like this. And then that's a problem. I mean, really? Should you have done it like that? <laughs> a little late now. You're doing it. The next session was by Mike Sapien of Ovum, who gave a special report called Search for a Seamless Enterprise Experience. What brings this on, in my opinion, is probably a lot of the Wi-Fi. And he did talk about that, what the expectations are, what they can rely on, and how heavily the enterprise relies on Wi-Fi. You know why? Carriers don't want to pay for DAS or anything else in the building or even small cells, but we have to put it in there. And even if we put it in there, which carrier is going to put it in? It seems like they don't really care about having stuff for like 10, 50, or 100 customers anymore. The carriers only really want to pay for the big stuff, but we have to put the small cells in there. And on the later session, I spoke to Art King of SpiderCloud, and he agrees the carriers have to get to the point where they have something that auto configs and plugs and play on someone else's backhaul, which I just heard now that that is a product that's available. So the sooner we can do that, the sooner we can get something out there like what SpiderCloud has, the better. But anyways, Mike Sapien talked about that and how they want carrier coverage, but the carriers will not support them. Oh, sure. The carriers will say, yeah, we want you to use us, but we don't want to pay for anything. And I get that. I get that carriers, but come up with a solution. Don't just sit there and say, no, no, no. Say no, but you can purchase this and bam, you have coverage. Look at that. Life is sweet again. So don't just sit there and be all negative. Sit there and come up with solutions. Okay, <laughs> I'm off my high horse, but that, that's a very touchy subject with me. It's just something that really needs to be done and be done right. Ken Sanfield of Solid talked about the middle prize. They're not too big and not too small, but they aren't just right. Now, this was interesting because he went through the people between, say, the home or the small enterprise of 10 or 15 employees and the arenas, the larger stadiums, the people in the middle. And he spoke about all the services that we're moving there too. And he sees this as a great opportunity for all of us to jump on. In fact, he looked over the next few years, he sees like $20 billion of business in this area, especially in today's IoT environment where, where we have machine to machine and the demand for bandwidth is so great. This is something that we can really jump on. I thought this was a great session. I think he's absolutely spot on. And I think it's one of those things that we have to eventually capitalize on. But the carriers aren't going to pay for it. They don't want a piece of that money. Quite frankly, they don't want to be bothered. They just want to be the provider. And again, I'm going to go back to my previous statement. If they want to be the provider, they have to provide a solution. Now, here's where I do get my high horse. And I'm going to tell you why. Jonathan Edelstein... You know, he's a president of CTIA, which represents all the carriers. He said about how when you install electric and plumbing in your house, you pay for all the hookup and everything. And I'm fine with that. Here's a difference between those utilities and the broadband utility. In fact, I'll even throw cable in. When I get cable at my house, I'll hook everything up in the house. But all I have to do for the cable company is plug and play. Same with plumbing. All I have to do to get water is plug it in and go through a meter, and they meter it. All I have to do for electric is plug it in and they meter it. Now, we all know the wireless companies already meter it. They have their very complicated bills if you ever read your bill anymore. That's why we just want flat fee for everything. I can't put in my building, I have a business, and I say, hey, Verizon Wireless, I want to put in a DAS system, or I want to put in small cells. 
what are they going to say? So how many employees you got? How big are you? Is it really going to serve our purposes? Me, me, me. If I go to the electric company and say, I want to put electric in, here's a plug. They're going to put a meter in. They're going to hook me up to electric. If I go to the water company, I'm going to say, I want water. They'll say, show us your pipe. They're going to put a meter in and they're going to have a pipe there. If I go to the cable company and say, I want to get cable, they're just going to provide me an F connector. Bam, plug it in. If I go to Verizon Wireless, AT&T Wireless, Sprint, or T-Mobile, they're going to say, well, what do you want us to do? It's wireless. Get in there. I'm going to say, I want it in my house. So come up with a solution. Don't sit there and tell me you don't want to pay for it. Come up with a solution. That's what I'm asking. Now, our new customer is going to be the building owners. Our new customer is going to be the business owners. And we're going to go after those as far as the integration people go. Now, carriers, how are you going to support that? You're going to sit there and say, you don't have a product yet. We want a product. And I know you all point at the OEMs and say, not my fault. They didn't come up with a blah, blah, blah. Listen, you're the carriers. You push for all this crap you have so far. Push for that. Plug and play. Let us go through the existing backbone that's there. All right. I'm off my high horse. The next session was case study highlights. That's where Lori Blair of Erickson, she did a great job of moderating over this session. And this session had Chris Wixon of Corning Optical Communications and Robin Gamble, president of Persistent Telecom. And they talked about the systems that today are very different than the systems of years gone by. Corning obviously makes a lot of DAS systems, optical systems. They do a lot. And Robin makes that small LTE system in a box. It was, I mean, it's just fascinating. And they talked about how each one has a solution and how he can put LTE right there for the people so they can have their local system. And Corning talked about how they can do the DAS and everything that is needed to keep them online and connected at their place of business. I think the days of business phone systems are slowly fading away, which is interesting because it's New York, which still has a ton of those systems. But people want wireless. They want to take their phone with them everywhere they go. They don't want to get to work and then use a different phone. They want to use the same device, which if you think about in the carriers, that's in their best interest. That's why at these enterprise level, we have to give them more than just Wi-Fi. It's just going to be a necessity. So let's talk about their case studies. I know I got off on a rant there. Lori talked about how the network is more than a convenience, but many people rely on this network to keep their businesses afloat. Everyone in the room there had to admit that they were using their devices, whether it be a phone, laptop, iPad, tablet, for business purposes, as well as personal purposes. Chris had a study where a stadium had not only DAS, but they had continuously to do upgrades on not only DAS, but Wi-Fi as well. I know I'm rambling here a little bit. I'm trying to read all this. But he brought up the Wi-Fi systems and how Wi-Fi is constantly outdating itself. And I thought that was a great point. The Wi-Fi of a year ago is very different than the Wi-Fi now. Like, you know, you have 811, 802.11 n 802.11ac and now they're already coming out with 802.11.ad is in delta which is just amazing right that it has all that that was interesting by chris but then robin talked about the public safety aspect of the carrier systems and how mission critical relies on their phones even when things go bad they rely on their devices to talk. They rely on their phones to call back. Regardless of the disaster, they still rely on all their devices. And that, that's something we forget about, the public safety aspect of all this, because we talk carrier, carrier, carrier. But the reality of it, a lot of these DAS systems are going to be just for public safety. So we have coverage, required coverage in the buildings. Now, 
we had more from Edge Connects, only this time it was Phil Lawson of Edge Connects. And he talked about The Edge Part 2, which covered the evolution of technology and how quickly things are progressing within the last 20 years. It's like it's on steroids. How can we keep up with the demand for change? What are the changes? I mean, did anyone ever think that the computing would come closer to you, to the end user? I mean, that's something 10 years ago we wouldn't have thought of. Even though we had a laptop, you know, 10 years ago, think about it. I'd say about 15 years ago, I started using a laptop. And I remember about 20 years ago when I wanted a laptop to configure my mobile phone systems. Back then, we had mobile phone radio systems all over. And you had to configure each one. I had to carry a big monitor with me, plug in, you know. It's a real pain in the butt, especially at mountain sites. Well, I wanted a laptop. Oh, they don't approve computers. You know, it was, it was amazing. I worked for a high-tech company. And they said they wouldn't approve any computers because they were an expensive item that wouldn't maintain its value. And I remember I was going to pay, I don't know, I found, I don't know if anyone remembers, Computer Shopper was this huge catalog back then. It's before you could really go online for all this stuff. It was. It was really before the internet was where it is now. It's back when, if you did go online, you got on a BBS system. But I found the laptop for like $1,200 and they wouldn't pay for it. So finally, I found one for $800. And all it was, was like a dumb monitor. That's all I wanted, something with a serial connection so I could talk to it. And now look where we're at. People laugh at that. We don't look at modems anymore as, as anything to interface. We just want our device to connect via Wi-Fi or via LTE. <laughs> if you told someone, I have a 9600 baud modem, it can do 19.2 with compression, they're going to laugh at you. Anyway, that's what he was pointing out is how far technology has come, how the costs are dropping and the demands are rising in technology. And the other interesting point he made is how social media is making the demands. I mean, think about that. Can you imagine people rely on, you know, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and they're making demands and they say, I need to be connected. I need to tweet somebody. And by God, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I mean, it's just really crazy. But anyway, I just found it very interesting that he, he brought that up and the, the changes that are coming about and how quickly technology is advancing. So that, that was a great talk. Now, finally came my session, Developments in Mobile Antenna Technology. This was more, you know, it was much more than just mobile antenna technology. It was really all the mobile technology we have out there. And it was hosted by Mike Sapium of Ovum who was a great host and on the board with me. You know, we were all sitting together. Art King of Spider Cloud. Great guy. Got to talk to Art a lot. Greg Toback of Anritsu, who I see at a lot of these shows. Greg, another great guy. And Bob Langston of Advanced RF Technology. And Bob, great guy, really like him, is a brilliant guy. He took more notes in that hour than I think. And I take a lot of notes. But he took more notes in that hour than I take in a day, I think. He's just a brilliant RF engineer to me. And then there's me. So, like I said, we talked more about technology. Not only antennas, but we were coming at it from four different angles, right? Spider Cloud's coming at it from the device. They have to provide solutions for customers that they need. And the other thing I loved about Art, he sees the need to apply to customers that are not only carriers, because that's really a lot of what they do for their small cells, but they see the need to appeal to the enterprise, to the business user, to the landlords and things like that. Greg Toback of Anritsu talked about how testing is absolutely essential up front and at the back end. We need to make sure we're getting what we say we're going to get so the customer has the user experience that they expect. And Bob Langston of Advanced RF Technology talked about how 
the antenna and the technology need to match up to what is needed in that particular venue. We need to make sure that the technology is there, not only antennas, but the system from beginning to end. And I talked about how I have to put it all together. The integrator has to make sure all this happens. Without the integrator, you won't have testing, equipment, or the installation of the antennas or anything. It all comes together. It's a team effort, people. I say that all the time. It's a team effort from design to implementation. It's a team effort to make sure that we get the right equipment for the customer and they get the user experience that they truly expect and they're happy with. So again, Bob brought up about all the RF issues that you could run into, how the antennas, the design, the cable length, all that matters. We wanna make sure that we understand the building so we know how to design that, whether it has drywalls, steel walls, what kind of studs there are, are you going through a block wall? Everything matters when you're doing a design. You have to make sure that you have everything the way it should be so at the end, it pretty much matches up with what you expected in the beginning, trust me. That's why IB Wave is so popular. We design, design, design. And the other thing we brought up were the changes in antenna technology and how it's gonna change everything. For instance, now you have the MIMO antennas. MIMO's changing everything as far as the RF throughput. It's allowing so much more to be shot through one antenna. It's just awesome. The other thing we talked about, Art especially, talked about interfacing with Cisco, Wi-Fi hotspot. They can just click in, bam, they're on. They made it quick, they made it easy, and that's what the customer wants. Quick, easy, and cost-effective. We discussed design considerations, potential problems, and ways to avoid issues. And one of the best ways to avoid issues is to do the proper testing up front. I'm a big fan of PIM testing because... Otherwise, you're going to have problems at the back end and everyone's going to point fingers. If you just do all your testing up front and save your results, and Ritsu plays a big part of that as far as testing it after everything's up. You want to make sure that you get what you expect to get. Now, there was a final roundtable, the next one, called the Carrier Conundrum. This was very good. Joshua Broder of Tilson was the moderator, and he headed off a session with Dominic Vileco of VCOM, Maureen Hopkins of Tilson and Steve Weiss of Verizon Wireless and Robert Gaudiasco, Gaudiasso of Snyder and Snyder. And this was probably the highest IQ board of the day. <laughs> These were all smart people. Oh my God. I, I wish I would have heard the whole thing. I didn't miss the beginning because I was back talking to Art King. This was a, a just an interesting, interesting talk. And it was more about the road deployments, right-of-way deployments for small cells. They talked about the legal ease that you have to go through for these small cell deployments and the obstacles that you put up with. And they said how permitting and zoning, well, not zoning per se, but permitting, you think you're going to just go out and put something up. And we could. Hey, I got my cordless screwdriver. I know how to make cables, fiber, RF. I'm going to go out and just install it. Bam, bam, wood pole. I screwed it in, you know, a couple of deck screws. I am done takes me about an hour. Well, let me tell you something. When you're dealing with municipalities and zoning and everything like that, it ain't that easy, folks. It ain't easy at all. As a matter of fact, it could take years. And that's what they brought up. Months to years just to get through the permitting process, the drawings. And that's why small cells are not cost effective to this day. Everything else we got figured out. The, even the backbone, we can figure a lot of that out with wireless and short hops. But by God, we can't get by this zoning and permitting. And everybody wants to get paid a lot for mounting on their poles, even if it's a two-by-two two unit. And I see both sides. I really do. And what caused this was a lack of respect between the two parties, the municipality and the wireless carriers or the wireless people who put it in. 
You want it to look good and you want it to serve a purpose. But the locals want it to look great. They want it to look good. They got to live with it. They have to see it every day. The installers install it. They're going home at night. You know, they're going to see it unless they install it in their backyard, which they would probably like. They'd be proud of it. But as we all know, things don't work that way. But they spoke how the site survey is key. And that's something I bring up all the time, how important a site survey is. When you go out and do the site survey, you have to make sure everything is as you expect it. The problem now is, though, you'll do the site survey. Permitting might not be done for six months to five years later until you can put it in or get through the legalese. Then things may have changed. So you got to do another site survey. I know it's a hassle. It's just the way it is. I don't know how to overcome it. I wish I had answers. That's why I imagine, I'm guessing, my opinion, the utility companies really don't bother with a lot of this. They know the headaches. They know the pains. You want to go in their pole, just pay them. They don't want to deal with anything else as long as you stay out of the power zone. Power zones matter. Finally, there was one last session called Investor Insights, which I like very much because it came from Richard Lukaj. Of, uh, he was uh, from Bank Street. And he spoke about how IoT would really propel business because data distribution is not only becoming luxury, now it's critical. We need to have our backbone. We need to have our data. We need to have it everywhere. 5G is going to really grow this exponentially. He brought that up too. So he basically gave a talk on that. It was, it was a good talk. And I just want to thank everybody that was there that day, everybody that spoke. I really enjoyed going to NEDAS, New York City. I thought it was outstanding. So thank you, everybody. And again, the videos are on there, the links in the blog. I'd like to thank all my sponsors. And just remember, when you work out there, be smart, be safe, and pay attention. See ya.